Yes. Amen. Thank you, Brother Carl. And, uh, so we're so good that, glad that you're here this morning, and uh, again, hope you've come expecting a blessing. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to Galatians chapter two. And we uh, started a couple weeks ago uh, working our way through this little letter uh, of the Apostle Paul uh, to the church at Galatia. Uh, talking about grace works and how uh, grace is a foundational thing to the child of God. Uh, But grace can oftentimes be misunderstood, and oftentimes, if we're not careful, we make grace a license to sin. And it's not to say, you know, well, I'll just go ahead and do what I want, even though I know it's sinful, and I'll just ask God to forgive me because I'm under grace. Bless God. Well, that cheapens grace, doesn't it? And that's not what grace is about. Because when Jesus Christ has come into your life and changed you and is in the process of changing you, you're different. Your wants change. You don't become perfect overnight. As much as I wish sometimes as a pastor, I I wish that it was just this magic, I could snap my finger or bop you on the head or something, and all of a sudden all of us together would just get it. And we would just do it. But guess what? It don't work that way, uh, no matter how much we wish that it did. But there's this process, there's growing thing. And God expects us, when grace has come into our life and we've received it, it does change us. And it makes us into something new. And nobody knew that better than the Apostle Paul. He was out persecuting Christians. He was a Jew that was a Jew of the Jews, he says in one of his other letters. He was out, you remember, from reading Acts chapter 9. He had permission. He was going off to arrest Christians and bind them up, bring them back to Jerusalem so they could put them in jail and even kill some of them. And God got a hold of Paul's heart, and Paul learned what grace was. Because Paul certainly deserved for God to send him to an eternal hell for the wrong that he had done. And yet God, because of his great love for Paul and for me and for all the whosoever's in the world, sent his son that whosoever would call upon him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's the simple message of the gospel. And Paul's life was forever changed. Uh, And so that's where we pick up, beginning in verse 1 of Galatians chapter 2. Would you read along with me? It says in verse 1, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, and I also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which I preached among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run, or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And this occurred because of the false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that we might bring us into bondage, to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me, God shows personal favoritism to no man. 
For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, Peter, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go to the Gentiles and they, be circ- uh, and they too the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I was also eager to do. Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before certain men it came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. But when I saw they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found to be sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For though I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. And so Paul has, has really been setting up an understanding and wants the Galatian church to realize that salvation does not come by being good. You know, you can't be good enough to find favor with God. Though we, we sometimes try, don't we? We can't do it. And there were some men who snuck into the church uh, and we're telling the people in this church, well, yes, it's faith, but you also have to do some things. So, it, you know what, yeah, you do have to put faith, but then you also have to observe circumcision. And if you're not going to be circumcised, then you're really not saved. And people were buying into this. In fact, Paul says even Barnabas was impacted by that craziness. And so Paul is saying, listen, if you want to live the crucified life, if you want to live a life that honors God and a life that is changed by grace, there's some things you do to accomplish that. Well, what are those things? I'm glad you asked uh, because I want to share them with you. Uh, The first thing is this, that we need to understand the reality of grace. 
We need to understand the reality of grace. We need to understand that grace is not a license to sin. Grace does not mean that we can do whatever we want, and if we've been to an altar somewhere, we've put our name in a membership book of a church somewhere, or we've done a few good deeds, why then we can do bad. That's not what that means. Nor does it mean that because of grace, God's just going to wipe out and just overlook your sin. What we need to understand about grace is that grace is not cheap. It's very costly. In fact, it cost Jesus Christ his very life. Because Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, and then laid his life down on the cross of Calvary, that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. Jesus shed his sin, or his blood, to pay my sin debt and to pay your sin debt. But not just ours only, but all the world, that whosoever, whosoever includes you. Praise God. Thank. But whosoever also includes that ornery boss at work and that swearing neighbor that throws parties that, you know, until 3 a.m. on Saturday night keeping you up so you're tired when you get to church. Or that moron driver that cuts you off in front of you while you're going down the road without using their blinker. Even them. Jesus died for absolutely everyone. And that's the thing about grace is that anyone and everyone can receive it. Now here's the way anyone can receive it. Nobody deserves it, including you and including me. But praise God that even God knows how much we do not deserve grace. He gives it anyway. And so Paul says, listen, keep the gospel at the center and remember that grace is not cheap. I want to remind us of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 10 about what the gospel is. He says this, For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, and he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. He appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I have persecuted the church of God. But, hear this one, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Paul writes that in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, is a wonderful uh, text that talks about the cross and uh, the work that Jesus did and the reality of the resurrection. But he says, listen, the gospel is simple. Jesus Christ came, was born of a virgin, gave his life, shed his blood. And then on the third day, rose again. 
That's really all we need to know and understand to be saved. That's what the gospel is, that though we were sinners, Jesus came and died for us. But the thing is, he didn't stay dead. He's alive. And we'll celebrate that truth uh, in just a couple months. So he said, listen, remember the reality of grace. That you didn't deserve it, but God freely gave it to you. Grace is not a license to sin. But grace is a license to love. And so he says, the reality of grace is this, that you know what? You want grace and you want to walk in that and live in that. Don't make others walk and live in the law. Don't ask others to do something that you can't even do yourself. And the reality is, Paul says, nobody can, the law cannot save anybody. Because none of us can keep it. But Jesus did keep it. And then willingly paid my sin debt, your sin debt, and the sin debt of all the world. And so he said, understand the reality of grace. But then secondly, he says, listen, if you want to live this crucified life, if you want to live a life of grace, and, and you want to find grace working in your life, yes, understand what grace is. But then secondly, he says, walk in the fellowship of grace. Walk in the fellowship of grace. You see, the wonderful thing about grace is it draws people that are distant from each other and distant from God together. Now, the Apostle Paul, remember what he was doing. He said, I'm wor- remember, I am the most unworthy apostle there's ever been. And yet, God has raised me up. And yet, he said, it's not me. It's the grace of Christ working in me. He said, it's, I'm not living but Christ is living in me. That grace that I found on that road to Damascus that day is living inside of me still today, and it draws us together. What I want us to point out is that Paul was on his way to persecute and bind up Christians. God blinded him, left him blind, and sent him to the church. Those very ones he was going around to wrestle up to kill and imprison. And he came, God called, he sent Paul to Ananias' house, and he, he told Ananias before Paul got there, he said, hey, you're going to have company. And like a lot of folks, he said, hey, I like company, good, good, good. And then God said to him, his name's Saul. Now all of a sudden, he wasn't so happy to have this company. He said, Lord, I've heard of this joker, and he's doing a bunch of bad stuff to your people. I don't want him in my house. And God said, I've chosen this man. And I want you to lay hands on him and pray for him. And Ananias, I'm sure, wasn't thrilled about the company coming, but he welcomed Paul. And he prayed for him, and Acts chapter 9 records for us that scales fell from Paul's eyes, and his sight was restored. You see, grace calls us together. It calls us to other hurting believers. Do you realize and understand that just because you're a child of God and that you're a member of a church or that you go to church, you are not immune from pain and you are not immune from difficulties. 
But the thing is, when you're a child of God, you don't go through those trials alone. Because God sends other believers to walk beside you, but also Christ is right there with you, walking with you. Jesus said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I sure am thankful for that. And God calls us to surround those that are hurting and to help them. Even when they don't deserve it. Even maybe when they've made their, you've heard this old say, they've made their bed and now let them lie in it. And listen, I'm going to tell you, it, it's hard not to feel that way towards some people because they've done something incredibly stupid and they've known better than to do it, but they did it anyway. And so our natural self says, well, let them suffer the con. They did it. They deserve it. Is that grace? That is not grace. That's law. And the only thing the law can do to any of us is condemn us because we can't keep it. But praise God, God doesn't hold us to the law. But he does hold us to a covenant of grace. And so what God says is this, if you've received grace, you better give it. Because listen, you may not be the one needing grace right at this moment. Now you will before long, you'll need it. But you may not need it right this moment. At this moment, you might be the one that gets to extend the grace. Okay, you can't extend something you don't have. So if you've received grace from God, guess what? You have grace to extend to others. And there's others around us every day, not only in our church family, but in our community, in our world, that need grace. And so Paul says, listen, you be instruments of grace. It may be that there are lost people that God has put in your life so that you might extend grace to them so that more importantly they might find the grace that God has for them. Because no matter how good your grace is, it doesn't begin to compare to God's grace. And everybody, I mean everybody, every child, every adult, everywhere in the earth needs God's grace. Everyone does. And so Paul said, listen, I met with the, the leaders of the church. So he met with some of the apostles. And he said, I told them what I was preaching just to make sure that I had heard right and that I wasn't doing, telling them anything wrong. And he said, none of them added anything to what I was saying, so that's pretty good. They just said, hey, listen, uh, Help the needy. And he said, I was looking forward, I was doing that anyway. Why was he doing it? Because his life had been changed by grace. And he understood. He didn't deserve God's blessing. He didn't deserve for God to care one bit about him, but he knew that God did, and that God had extended grace to him, and God had called him, and God was using him for his wonderful purpose. So he says, and the, perhaps the, the greatest thing, and the thing that Paul was most proud of. So I, I met with them. They said, you know what? That's good word. That's what the Bible says. Yeah, we think you And they extended the right hand of fellowship. Well, that's significant to Paul for a couple reasons, because he was 
persecuting the church. Remember, just not long before, he was seeking to bind these Christians up, throw them in jail, and kill them. And now they've extended their hand of fellowship. They said, hey, you're a part of us. And what a wonderful thing, because that's what grace does. And only grace can do that. Only grace can take enemies and make them friends. Grace is a powerful, powerful thing. And so never forget that just as God extends grace to you, Extend grace to others. To be thankful for grace. To be thankful that God has put you around other believers to help you when you have time and need. And so, listen, and by the way, just to chase a rabbit for a second, I promise I'm going to catch it. Don't rob fellow believers an opportunity to extend grace by you pretending and smiling and saying, everything okay. When you're hurting, it's all right to let people know. When you've blown it, it's okay to say, hey, listen, I've really blown it. I, I need help. Because if somebody that you tell it to is really a brother or sister in Christ, they're going to extend grace. Not to, and it's hard to do. Because, you know, we, we want to keep up our, our image. We've got a rep to protect. And I tell you, Paul says, listen, it's not about reputation it's about the grace of God that's worked and changed my life and the grace of God that will change anybody's life that is a marvelous and wonderful thing and so he says walk in the fellowship of grace extend grace to others and allow others to extend grace to you there I think I caught that rabbit we'll move on so he says, listen, extend fellowship to others. But then lastly, he says, listen, live by the faith of grace. So we walk in the fellowship of grace. We understand the gospel, but then lastly, we live by the faith of grace. What Paul is saying is, listen, I have a pedigree and he's going to tell, in one of his other letters, he said, listen, I'm a Jew of Jews. He said, I had all kinds of education. I've done all kinds of things. He said, I served on every committee and every board there was to serve on in the synagogue. He said, you know what? I count it all as dumb. I count it as rubbish. It's worthless. The only thing that's worth knowing is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So he ends this letter with saying, listen, by the grace of God, I am crucified with Christ. It's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives inside of me. And how does Christ come to live inside of you? It's by faith, isn't it? It's not of works, it's not by being good, it's not by you know, buying your way in because you ain't got enough money and you ain't got enough goodness in you. It is by simply trusting in the gospel that Jesus died. He rose again and he sits at the right hand of God and he's making intercession for you. The gospel is simple. The gospel applies to everyone. And everyone receives it the same way, by faith. 
You see, there aren't some that receive it by faith and others that have to receive it by works. Everybody receives it by faith. But then Paul also tells us, hey, you know what? It's not just that I had faith at one time. I kept the faith. He said, I continued working. In fact, he said, I even worked toward the faith. Not that we work to gather up the faith, but the faith we have does produce some works. That's what James says. So Paul says, listen, if you want to, how do you live this crucified life, a life that's full of grace? Well, you understand what grace is. You have this fellowship of grace that you walk in, and then you live by faith, by trusting and understanding that you are what you are and who you are, not by what you deserve and not by what you do, but by what Christ did for you. And so if you're looking and you're seeking your identity by your big house or the size of your 401k or you know all the stuff that you've got you're in trouble because that's not where your identity is supposed to be but when your identity is in Christ guess what he doesn't change and he doesn't leave he sticks right by us and so Paul says, listen, don't listen. These people that come and say, listen, yeah, you, you're saved by faith, but then you've got to do these things, and that's how you're of the faith. He said, don't believe that nonsense. He said, even Peter was, uh, you know, uh, wishy-washy, and he was, was being uh, a hypocrite. Because there were some believers that were Gentile believers that he would eat with, and for a Jew, that was a big deal. They didn't do that. But then when others would come, Peter wouldn't eat with those Jews, that he, or the Gentiles that he had eaten with before, because he didn't want to look bad in front of this other cool crowd. And so Paul says, I confronted Peter to his face. I said, what you're doing is not good. What Paul... What, uh, Paul was accusing Peter of and said even Barnabas had gotten in and bought into this lie. And listen, it is by faith and you're called to live as a child of God 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You never get time off. And you never get time off not only reflecting grace, but also needing grace. We need grace all the time. You may have heard the... the the lady that prayed, and this was her prayer, Lord, so far today I've done pretty good. Haven't had any bad thoughts, haven't killed anybody. Said, Lord, in just a few seconds I'm going to get out of this bed. And I need your grace. We better understand, Fred, that's all of us. Listen, if we're up, we're prone to needing God's grace. And so what we've said every week, never ever forget your need for grace and that God willingly, lavishly gave that grace to you. 
And so He calls you to live a crucified life that also lavishes grace upon others. Let's pray again. Lord, we love You. Thank You for Your goodness and Your love to us. Lord, thank You for grace. Oh, what a wonderful, marvelous thing. Lord, if there's one here today, one in our auditorium or watching on the internet, has never received that new life by grace, would you help them today to trust in the reality of the gospel by faith, to receive that great gift? Lord, those of us that have received that gift, and Lord, oh, we are what we are because of the grace of God, would you help us to remember that we are only what we are by the grace of God? And might we extend that grace to others? Lord, even those that make it so difficult and hard to extend grace, may you help us remember that they're the ones that need the grace the most. And God, our prayer is that by us living a crucified life that extends grace to others, we would be instruments of your love. It would be instruments of your healing to be instruments of your work in this lost and broken world. God, thank you that you love us so much and you never give up on us, that you freely extend grace to us. Help us to walk in that and help us to extend it to others. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. Let's sing uh, this old hymn, I Need Thee Every Hour. Can I tell you? You need God every hour. In fact, not just every hour, you need Him every second. And if you're here today and you know what, grace, you, you don't know what that is, today would be a great day for you to find God's grace. But maybe you're here today and as we've preached and as you've sung or and maybe just as we prayed just a moment ago, God brought somebody to your mind and said, you know what, there's somebody in your circle that needs grace. Would you go to them today? Would you make that commitment right now and say, you know what, I'm going to go to that person today. Don't wait till tomorrow because by tomorrow you'll forget. But you go right today and say, Lord, help me extend grace to this person that I know is in need of it. Let's sing together this morning.